Welcome to the Remarketing Podcast. My name is Jerome Lewis. I'm your host for today. The Remarketing Podcast is a podcast where we talk marketing, tech, business, and leadership. We talk these things for real estate agents, real estate investors, and entrepreneurs. The Remarketing Podcast is a podcast that has two purposes. Purpose number one, to educate and inform our audience and listeners. Purpose number two, Liana, to spotlight you, your business, your service, or your product in a way that provides value to you, including market exposure and content creation. With that, I'm excited. I'm super excited, Liana. You know, you have no idea. We have a very special guest. Liana Ling is a former attorney turned traffic pro. She has gone from marketing trickling from from marketing trickling campaigns to scaling across networks for her clients. She helped her info product clients diversify their traffic sources off of just Facebook into other ad networks like TikTok, Pinterest, and Google. While Liana won't name drop, her clients are leaders in the coaching and info product industry, and they rave about her ability to methodically grow campaigns. Liana has just recently become the CEO of AdSkills, the premier online learning community for advertising, education, and media buyers. Liana, welcome to the show. I'm excited. I'm glad you're here. Thank you for having me. I am so excited to be here with you too. I was looking forward to this all last week. Likewise, I'm so excited, <laughs> and I'm I'm super excited because you uh, you were recommended through us by Justin, who was on before, and then you recommended David. So I'm also looking forward to that. And the power of networking you you never know, man. It's 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 really powerful stuff. It's incredible. With yeah. that, could you please tell us, Liana? Tell us a little bit about your story in your own words. Tell us how you got here and why you got into like advertising and media buying, please. Sure. And I'll try and give you a little bit more info that's not just on the slide that you kind of went through. Okay. So I did start off my professional life as a lawyer. Uh, I was doing litigation work and corporate law, and I actually found my way into in-house counsel at TD Make. And, you know, it's interesting, at least just for me, is it took me a while to tell the world my whole story because um, after a couple of years at TD Bank, I got restructured. And then I thought, what am, what am I going to do? <laughs> you know, I think as we all kind of think when we're faced with this road, and one of the big realizations that took me a while to figure out was that I am an on, like my core is an entrepreneur, and I make a horrible employee. And I like proudly say that to people now. I just make a terrible employee. So I started actually a, a digital marketing agency. I started off by buying a franchise, and I followed a route that. Um, that matched my comfort level in terms of going into the entrepreneur world. And at the time when I did it, we didn't have a lot of even some of the incubators and programs that are out there right now just to help entrepreneurs getting started out. Um, so I bought a franchise and eventually when that was over, I kind of went my own direction and figured out that I was really, really, really good at lead generation, um, especially with B2B info products. That's my passion. I, I still love it. That's my jam. I love to do that. And, uh, you know, along the way, I was kind of going up and down because I've been all things like CMO, COO, uh, working on like tiny campaigns that we talked about, you know, $5 a day campaigns all the way up to managing, you know, over $2 million a month. So I've done all that. And along the way, I found this amazing community that Justin Brooke had actually created called Ad Skills. And 
I knew some advertising when I went in there, but it, it's all, it's like you said, it's the networking and it's the little golden nuggets, right? That really kind of help set you apart. And the things that I learned in there helped me just take my game to the, to the next stratosphere. And I was, you know, and I, I was a very active and I still am a very active community, community member in there because it forms such an integral part of, you know, of my journey. And then fast forward to today, I am now the CEO of Ad Skills because I really wanted to lean into my passion for serving, for teaching, for coaching, for literally helping other people to, you know, be able to live out their dreams and create an agency or a freelance business in the way that they want to. Um, and we're able to do that with ad skills. And that really is something that's in my heart. And I'm so excited to be here with you here today, Jerome. Actually, did you know? This is my very first podcast that I'm on where I actually said I'm the CEO of Ad Skills. So here you go. It's a historical moment here. <laughs> nice. I'm honored. And um, so you threw out like one of the things that I like to try to do is I like to try to break things into like the simplest terms possible and help people understand it. Like if they were like maybe at third or first grade. So a couple of terms that you threw out when you were giving your intro, you threw out CRO, CMO. Could you tell us what those terms are? Sure. So one of the things that I found as I was making my way in the world was because uh, in terms of like just using my talents and serving people was being a, what some people call a fractional chief marketing officer. So what that means is you're not again, remember, I'm a really bad employee, so I can't do that. So what I found is I could actually do it on a part time basis. So I would give some of my time and say, OK, I'm going to be here with you. And, and, you know, I couldn't do that many at once, obviously, because it takes so much commitment, but I would do that where I am basically helping with the strategy and the implementation. And sometimes some of those morphed into COO, which is chief operating officer, essentially, basically where you're you know you're trying to make the trains run on time and you're getting everything going and you're managing the team and just making sure things happen whether it's for a live launch evergreen um events all this type of stuff so um that's the, i learned a lot because i was able to do that for um some bigger companies who were you know basically in the online entrepreneur space and i learned a lot from there um because i was able to um you know, affect and work in a whole bunch of different areas within that business to really fully more understand that. And that's, it's not something everybody wants to do, but it, it's definitely one of the pathways that you can go on as well. And some people do it and end up going there full time and, you know, st spending more time with that business. And that's, that's fantastic as well. Um, and then from there, I, I, you know, realized that I would prefer to spend my days as a media buyer instead. So I really leaned into uh, Facebook advertising. That's really what I'm known for. Again, it was leaning more into what my strengths and my passions were, which was lead generation and using social media for lead generation. And uh, thank goodness that Facebook started advertising. <laughs> so, and, that, and that's been very successful for my clients. Thank you. Could you tell us what a media buyer is? It's like, it's like industry term. Most people don't yeah, know. Yeah, for sure. And you know it's it's interesting because it's changing and that's definitely something that we're exploring and then in you know coming into the next year uh because of ai and all these you know pro computer programming are becoming so much more advanced i think that the whole role is changing but what it is it's essentially acquiring and managing traffic to send to somebody's website we'll sometimes call it funnels which is it, it essentially it's just a bunch of web pages that people go to in a specific order so um 
the traffic or the media buyer's role is to help figure out what type of traffic is the best type to send there and and then being able to manage it within whatever budget that the company has so you can make the most out of all of that like i think that some of the best media buyers in the world are very i'm going to throw out another term for you roi focus so return on investment focus or, or profit first you know what's going to give you the best return on investment instead of just saying oh TikTok's hot right now, or you know, these types of Facebook ads are hot right now. Let's just do that. But really thinking and strategizing and partnering with the company to be, okay, what are your goals? And what can I do with my knowledge and experience of all these different platforms? What can we do to make the best formula or the best recipe to send the best type of traffic that will convert well and deliver uh, an ROI return on investment for what you're doing with the traffic? uh going to going to your funnel or going to your campaign thank you you mentioned lead generation right i understand what most of us understand what lead generation is uh but in your terms can you tell us what lead generation is and why it's essential and more so i would like to know like uh can like my audience such as real estate investors and real estate agents can they use lead generation or it's like why does that matter i just want to close deals could you help us understand sure. that absolutely yeah so um it's interesting that you asked that because it sounds like a simple question, but in fact, there's quite a lot of debate too about what is actually lead generation. And I'll tell you, you know, when you're when you're really focused on closing deals, what do you want? You want people to come, you want to talk to people who are ready to close, right? Those are the best type, right? You're like, hey, great, you're here, boom, let me just get you all set it up, let's do the paperwork and you're done. Um, so we all dream of those types of people that we want to talk with. But in reality, we have to talk to a number of different people who have varying degrees of interest and passion to to work with us right so one of the things you want to do is you want to take a look at how you can get more conversations with people who are qualified and who are ready to you know take the next step um, and so from there you want to take a look what you really want to do is you want to find somebody who has a couple characteristics number one they're the right person to speak with right so it's they're the decision maker you don't want to be talking to the person who is you know two or three times removed from the decision maker right we want to talk to the actual person who's going to make the decision um, they need to have the need for what we're offering um, for whatever type of real estate service or investment opportunity that you are providing um, and they it's, and it has to be the right time oh my I think my camera just went off for a moment is that okay Jerome I can keep talking um, yeah you can keep going Okay, I don't know what happened. All right, so this is literally never, this is the first time it's happened all year. So, um, uh, sorry, so uh, where was it? Yeah, so the right the right person, the, you know, that they're ready for, they're ready for what you're offering and the right time, because some people, they are ready to have what it is that you're offering, but it's not the right time for them, right? And then finally that, you know, that they have the right amount of funds, right, available. So, and that kind of feeds into the right timing for them. So those are the people that you actually want to speak with when, um, as opposed to just people who are, you know, just they're curious, right? So we might, I, what I would do is I would call people who are just curious as inquiries and the people who have those other characteristics as actually leads. And the reason why this is essential for anybody, whether you're in real estate or, you know, you have a, uh, an accounting business or you're a dentist or what, whatever it is that you're doing is a, a lot of times 
we spend way too much time generating inquiries and talking to um, people who are just curious and we're actually not we're actually not really focused on how can we take those people and turn them into actual leads so there is a gap there and if you find that you're talking to a lot of people who they seem really excited but they're not making any uh progress towards what it is that you're offering you're probably only talking to people who are making inquiries and that to me is really essential in making that difference so when i talk about lead generation i'm talking about how we can actually generate um meetings or convert meaningful conversations with people who are ready at that stage for people like yourself for people like your audience um so that you can actually have progress right in terms of making more closes for it instead of just spending all day long talking to people who are just really really curious and that can be depending on your business depending on um you know the types of people that you're coming in contact with that could take a long time that could take a very short amount of time um you know so and it's important for somebody who is buying traffic to work closely together with the person who is creating the website pages because it all works together right in terms of the messaging that they see the experience that they have and what we can do to change their frame of mind so that they can become a lead from just an inquiry and that's what I mean about lead generation. So I know that was a really long answer to your question, but um, I hope that was helpful. No, that was helpful and it was a healthy answer. So we talked about lead generation. And one of the things I always like to help people understand is like what a lead is. So I always ask people, what is a lead? Like what is a lead to you? So in your in your terms, like in simplest terms, tell us what a lead is. Sure. So a lead is somebody who, as I mentioned, is the right person. So the decision maker, um, it's the right time for them. Um, and the, it is the right need for them. And they also have the budget. Okay. On average, like always, everybody want to know, like you said a little bit earlier, like, oh, how can I get the person that's right there and ready to buy? Like right now, I don't want to have these conversations with these people who are not ready. So my question to you is on average, how many people are like ready to buy your thing? Like right now, right away. Yeah. So nurturing them? if you do nothing, like literally, so if you're in a stadium, right, and you literally do nothing and you talk to everybody and you say, here's my offer probably up to 20% of the people in there are ready to buy at any given time. Okay, probably. And uh, past that, I actually learned this from Chet Holmes um, in his amazing book uh, called the, um, what's it called? Ultimate the Ultimate Sales Machine. Machine. Yeah, I've right heard me. it from him. Justin and it is true, right? And I have it right <laughs> there here. There you go. Yeah, I got it. I use it as a, like, it's almost like a textbook for me, right? I just keep referring back to it. It's so much good stuff in there. Um, so, Fun fact, I met his daughter who now runs the company on Clubhouse and Instagram. She's awesome. So if you guys check it out, go go follow Amanda. She's awesome. Um, yeah, so it, it's it, I found that to be true. Like pretty much up to 20% of the people are they're just ready to buy. So a lot of times too, when you're launching a new campaign, you're like, oh, this is going well. It's like, well, there are a bunch of people who are ready to do business for you anyway. So, you know, th th those are those people. After that, you get into sort of like the middle where they were, they're not ready to buy right away, but they were kind of interested, right? But they just need, they need something else to push them over the edge. 
So when you look at sales, right, people buy uh, with emotion first, followed by logic second. So you get them really excited, but then their logic brain stops them and says, wait a minute, like, are you sure you want to do this? Let's check this out. So people in the middle could be like the next 20% might be people who are really, really excited, but then just something stopped them. Like maybe, uh, you know, maybe they were reading online reviews or maybe their friend had a bad experience and that's now tainted their experience of it. Who, who knows, right? Something is stopping them from taking the next step. So those people you, you need to nurture a little bit to, and figure out how can you change their frame of mind so that they're now ready to buy. Um, and then finally, there's another out of people who like they're not even they barely turned their head right they may have heard a little bit about what you do um, it may have sparked a little bit of interest but you know they they're really not aware at all so you have to work much harder to get those people to at least turn around like what can you do to get them turn around pay attention you know figure out what their pain points are bubble that up to the surface and then you can try and figure out if what you're offering is a good fit for them and, you know, again, just move them along, you know, that journey towards being literally like ready to buy. Thank you. Would So we talked about lead generation and the amount of people that are ready to uh, buy from us, which is typically it's not a lot. People are like, I want them now. And you got to like take them through a process. So after we generate the leads, what is that process? What would you call that process? And what does that process look like? We've generated the leads. Now what comes next? Sure. So I like to think of this as, um, and I'm sure other people have heard this before, it's another term, it's a customer journey. And it, that's really what we're talking about here. And the customer journey is exactly what it sounds like. It's, it's somebody's journey to go from they have no idea they need this or that you even exist to becoming you know, basically like a raving fan client of yours, okay? And lead generation is just part of the journey. Um, once they become a lead, then you wanna take a look at what, what else has to happen in your sales process in order for them to get to the point where they're ready to close and you actually close them. And so it obviously depends what it is that you're providing, right? For example, if it's an investment, then, you know, there's clearly has to be several different touch points that have to happen. I'm sure there's some type of application process and qualification process and education as well that they have to go through um, in order to get to the point where, you know, they're actually closed. Um, so what I like to think about is I like to think about people's mindsets as well at each of those stages. You know, once they become a lead, what's the next mindset? What's the next thing they have to believe in in order to get to the next stage? And so that way you can really focus on what do I need to do to make them believe that, okay? to make them believe that. Okay, I don't know much about real estate investments, so maybe these, this is a bad example, but you know what, well, Jerome, you tell me, what is it before somebody's ready to make a real estate investment? What do they have to believe that this is the right thing for them that they are going to invest in real estate? So, you know, what's really good. We, I was watching, like, I, whenever I'm in a program, I make sure I show up, I sh I'm there. I'm also like watching the content. So I'm talking about ad skills and I want you to tell us a little bit about ad skills too. I want you to promote it because it's, sure. it's done a lot for me, but I was watching, um, Justin's survey, like one 10,000 leads presentation. Yep. And one of the surveys that he had was, uh, the stock market versus real estate investment. It's like, which mm -hmm. one would you rather do? So mm -hmm. the mindset of people typically that are coming into real estate, right? There are different mindsets, but the one that I 
I see most often is like, I don't want to invest my money in the stock market. I want to invest in real estate because real estate is one of the safest investments that you can make. That is typically their, their mindset and that's how they're thinking. And that's what gets them interested in real estate. Okay. So there's two things there, right? One is that it's a, this is a better mousetrap, right? This is a better option than other things that are out there. And number two, you said something about it's a safer option. So they're also looking for some type of stability. So now you know that you have to get these people to believe that it's better to invest. It's better to take a safer route as opposed to varying very high risk. And it's also, and therefore this is actually a better option than going into the stock market, what everybody else is talking about. So what you need to do then is you, okay, I have to get this person to change their frame of mind into that. What do you need to do to change their minds about this? Do you need to give them videos? Do they have to read something? Do you have to meet with them? Um, is it a webinar, right? Now the marketing, uh, strategy becomes so much clearer because you know what your goal is. You know, okay, wh what do I need to do to get them there? Then once I'm there, great, boom, let's take them to the next step, right? After that. Does that help? That is, that that helps very much. So one of the things that I, when I first started, like I, I got into uh, real estate and I was like, oh, I want to learn like how to do wholesale and I want to do all this stuff with these cool strategies that you can do within real estate. But one of the things that I, that I ran into and that I'm also trying to help people understand is that in order to do these strategies, you need to do it on a person. And that's typically the leads. Um, mm -hmm. One of the things that I did, I was like, I can't get these leads. I was like, I had this mentor. He was like, go outside and knock on the doors. And he was like teaching me like old school methods. I was like, this is frustrating. There's got to be another way. So I went online and I started Facebook and right. I learned everything that I could about Facebook. And then I went specifically into Facebook advertising and I did really well with Facebook to generate these leads and get business and do deals using just Facebook. So the reason why I'm bringing that up is because you're known for Facebook and you do really well uh, for Facebook. I know that's not your only platform, but that, that's one of the things that you do. And a lot of times when I'm meeting with people and I'm uh, training my students, they always say Facebook ads don't work. So I want to hear your perspective on why you chose Facebook. And I want you to help people understand that Facebook ads do, do work if you utilize and you use the right strategies. Yeah. So a lot of times the person managing the traffic gets blamed because I think that one of the biggest mistakes that people make is they put too much emphasis on the traffic. They think that it's a magic wand that's going to fix everything. Um, so the first thing I would say is they, number one, they absolutely do work and they can be very profitable, but it only works if you have a good offer. If your offer and service is not good, there is no platform that's going to help you. Okay? And uh, there's no, the best media buyer in the world, the best marketer in the world can't help you because marketing does not produce sales. I learned this from Michael Port. Marketing brings awareness to what you provide, but it will not get you sales. So that's the first thing is take a look and make sure that you have a good offer that aligns with your audience. And that is becoming even more important with the uh, direction that Facebook is going in the next year. Um, and what I'm seeing is people uh, are, so the thing is, is that Facebook is 
it's become a little bit harder in the past year, but it's pretty approachable. Um, and and there, look, Facebook itself is promoting to everybody to put ads up. And in the past couple of years, like everybody has tried Facebook ads, right? Because it's so easy just to, you could just throw up an ad. Um, and the problem with that is they'll put up, a, a lot of times I, what I find is people will put up an ad and they're not even thinking about their offer or their funnel or the experience people have at all. So therefore they think, oh, it doesn't work. Um, so first thing is look at your funnel, look at the offer, make sure that it actually is a good offer and what I do highly recommend is that see if you can sell it organically to strangers first before you put traffic behind it um, because that'll give you an idea you know even if look even sell it to your existing community if you can't sell to your existing organic community or network then you're not going to be able to have you're not going to have an easy time of it selling to you know people who've never heard of you through uh, you know through paid traffic so that's the first thing is check that um, and number two it's also about learning the rules of the game. We're learning the rules of engagement. Um, that's the other thing that I, big mistake that I find people do when they're doing Facebook advertising is they're not fully understanding the platform, the context of the ads that are in there and the rules that you need to follow. And therefore they say it doesn't work. So what do I mean by that? Well, Facebook is, it's part of a social platform, right? It's social. So what is social about? Social is about making friends. Social is about um, not being, you know, so much in your face all the time. You don't, you and I are chatting, you know, I'm not saying buy this, buy this, buy this, right? I'm not saying, Drum, you have to do this, right? And, and I, you know, we had some niceties, we're talking, we're chatting, we're having a good time. That's Facebook. Also, Facebook is very much you're interrupting people. People are on Facebook not to buy your things, by the way. People are on Facebook to catch up and maybe spy on people they knew in high school, <laughs> to, you know, looking at cats, looking at kids, uh, you know, just commenting on memes. They're there to have a good time. And your ads are interrupting them. So they're not even searching for anything that, you know, that you're offering. So keeping that in mind uh, when you're putting your ads up will help you be much more successful because too many times people... I think that what I'm seeing is people think, oh, I put an ad up and somebody just better buy from there and therefore Facebook ads don't work. I mean, you really have to understand how that works and you have to understand too how the Facebook algorithm works and they give us a lot of information in the documentation. They give us a lot of tips in the ads manager, um, even in terms of what ads you can and cannot run inside of there. Um, it's very clear. They do have a very, very broad interpretation of it. Um, but if you um, are creative enough to follow the policies then it, it can actually work. It's just, it takes time, it takes effort, it takes creativity. And that's why you have people like myself and other people in the ad skills community, because we, we have the battle scars, right? We've done a lot of campaigns. I can often see patterns and I can say, hey, well, you know, this worked over here, so we can try this over here to help you out. So we, we can, you know, we know with all the ins and outs of everything to help you out to get going on Facebook. But I can tell you that it is very, very profitable for a lot of different people, but you have to really, I call it like dancing with Facebook. Like, what can you do to work with Facebook? I'd rather dance than fight with somebody because you'll get further, right? So what can you do to work with Facebook in order for it to work? And this goes with any network, by the way, you're in, is really deeply understanding how it works um, so that you can figure out how to leverage it for your offers and your funnel. Thank you. One of the, one of the mistakes that I see within my niche often is like the, where they send traffic to. And what I mean more specifically is they'll send traffic to like a website, right? Like a full blown website or like maybe some kind of search um, page, which 
search page is not as bad as the website. So what I would like you to do is I want you to talk about the importance of uh, landing pages. Uh, what sure. do you think is like ideal as a landing page and why we shouldn't be sending traffic to these websites and these complicated um, mm -hmm. other web pages? Yeah, simple is better, right? So first, first rule that I have followed for many, many years is when you put up an ad anywhere, doesn't matter, not even in Facebook, anywhere else, you want to send them somewhere that has one focus. Okay? Um, I don't know if you've read any studies or articles about how they talk about multitasking is actually bad for you. It's worse to multitask. You, you're actually much more productive if you focus on one thing. Same thing with advertising. You have one idea, you send them to a page that has one idea as well. So that means you do not have lots of menu items at the top. That's why we don't want you to do it to your homepage. There's way too many options on a homepage, right? What's one idea, one thing for them to do there. You don't have many different things for them to do. What's one action, main action you want them to do on that page. So we know that that works best because confused people do not buy with too many options people do not buy or they do not take the next action so make it really clear also remember you're interrupting people right and people are busy nowadays so again when you're interrupting them they have short attention spans keep it simple keep it focused number two the other thing that works best too is when things are personalized so think back to maybe the most amazing experience you've ever had. You know, they, uh, one of the things I got for my kids is I ordered from somebody on Etsy. They were actually making these personalized uh, Harry Potter acceptance letters, right? And my kids are Harry Potter fans. And what did they do? She put their names on it. Um, I put in like the location of their rooms. So it could be very personalized. And you know, it was so much more special because they got a letter addressed to them and it was customized, personalized, and it made a big difference as opposed to I just printed something off that was like generic, right? We all love that. So what, people looking at your ads, they're humans too. They're no different. The more personalized you can make it, the better. There are certain rules that we have to follow because we don't want to freak people out. Um, and the ad networks do not want people to think that they're being spied upon but you can make it relevant to them. Um, so you can't customize it to the length that I just did with the, with the Christmas gifts, but you can customize it to make it as relevant as possible to the audience that you're putting you know, the ad in front of. And that also helps to lift everything up. And the third thing is the majority of people are going to see your ads on a phone. So please, 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 everybody listening, wherever you're sending, even for your own website, try it out on a phone don't just do it on something that will um mock it up or you know just try and give you that experience on different phones like literally pick up your phone open up the page and see how it behaves on your phone and have a couple of friends who have different types of phones like an iphone an android etc even if you have somebody who is in an area that doesn't have very strong internet have them go on it as well because if it takes too long to pop up people are going to go. So it needs to be fast. It needs to be very mobile friendly. Like literally, how does it look on your phone? Nine times out of 10, when we see, um, you know, things are too expensive or just ads are not converting, I'll check it on my phone and it's broken. It doesn't work. You can't read it or the headline is huge. Like it looks weird, right? On your phone. So look at that first. You know, it's something that I think a lot of people still miss out on um, in, you know, in terms of just where you're sending people to. Thank you. Could you earlier you mentioned uh, taking people through like funnel 
And you also mentioned like an offer. So could you tell us what a funnel is and sure. then also tell us what a good offer is? Like, tell us what an offer is and then maybe tell us like what a bad offer and what a good offer is. Okay. Wow. Okay. So really diving in here. All right. So, <laughs> you know, a funnel is essentially just a series of steps to get people to, to the end action that you want. And we talk about it as a funnel because um, historically we kind of think about it as it's a large audience and then it keeps getting smaller and smaller and smaller as they get more qualified and more interested in your offer. So it kind of looks like a funnel and that's one way of taking a look at things. Um, uh, I digress a little bit, but I, I kind of, I think it's changed a little bit in the past years, but you can, that's why we call it a funnel, by the way, because we're trying just to get them to go from one page to the next page to the next page. So they're just going to take each subsequent action. They're making little micro commitments so that by the time, you know, they're at the point where it's closing time, they've, you know, they've made a ton of different little micro commitments and they are ready to go. They're ready to close. Um, that's essentially just what a funnel is. So that's interesting. What you know? What's an offer? So you know, an offer is just. I think an offer is something that, at at a very um, basic level, and you know, I'm a lawyer as well, so uh, I kind of think about it legally. It's the same thing. An offer is just, uh, you know, a promise, an an offer to promise to do something. That that's really all it is. Um, you're presenting something that you promise to do, and the other person can either accept it or reject it. Or if they do nothing, then the offer might actually expire and go away. And that, that's all it really is. It's, it's, a, it's just you're putting in front of people saying, I promise to do this. And that's it. Um, and it's very basic level. So what makes a good offer and a bad offer? I'm just going to go back to relevance again. You know, marketing is about bringing awareness to what you provide. And the more relevant that you can make that awareness, the better it is. The more relevant that offer is, the better it is. Let me go back to the gift that I got for my kids for Christmas. So I know that they're Harry Potter fans, right? And they, I wanted to get them something that's very customized. And there are many different offers out there to buy stuff for Harry Potter fans, right? Um, there are there are dolls or there's video games. There's like wallpaper. There's like, there's so much stuff you can have out there. But I wanted a very specific um, experience and I wanted it to feel, you know, very authentic, like immersive. You know, it's got the parchment paper and all that kind of stuff that we love, right, about it. And so it's like a very specific thing. So if somebody somebody needs to put in front of me an offer that um, it would be relevant to me. So as a mom, um, as a, you know, something that's very like immersive for somebody who is a big fan of the movies and the books, especially. So paying attention to those details, you know, it's really an offer that would um, feel relevant to like you know, diehard, you know, kind of fans who, who pay attention to all the little symbols and it all has to be perfect. And right. So, and it's a very specific type of person. So that makes where I bought it from, that makes that offer like amazing and a really, really good offer for me because it, it hit all those pain points and it could be delivered before Christmas. So again, the timing, right. It was the right price. So it worked really, really well that way, as opposed to somebody puts an offer in front of me and say, Hey, here's like some Harry Potter socks. Well, I'm not interested in Harry Potter socks, right? Because it doesn't fit the other criteria that I was looking for. And, and that's really what it is. It's, it's making sure that your offer is relevant for the person. And sometimes the people don't know it's relevant to them. So we, and so going back to talking about the customer journey is we're trying to help them bring awareness and a realization of why this offer is relevant to them and needed at this time. And that's what we do as marketers and as salespeople. Thank you. So we want to learn a little bit about 
Liana, more specifically, so I'm going to ask you these next questions and gear them more, more towards you. Uh, the first question, what's the biggest challenge you're facing, it says, in your role or your business, and how are you tackling it? Sure. So right now, the biggest challenge that I'm facing is, um, I would say it's actually making sure that I am surrounded and have the right people on the team to build out for the future. And I think that's something that is really important, whether you're even if you're a solo person and you're uh, working to bring on your first person or you have 20 people on your team as well. I think that the strength of your team is is really going to determine how far you can go and how successful you can be. Thank you. What's one piece of advice you would give someone starting out as a media buyer or advertiser? Hmm. Okay. So somebody starting out, I would say uh, one of the best pieces of advice that I ever got, which I follow to this day, is learning to fail fast and embrace failure. And when I say embrace failure, I know people talk about this. I say, oh yeah, you know, I failed and I learned from this. We say that a lot, but, and I learned this from Lewis Schiff and he, when I worked with him and, um, what he really taught me is he says, no, you have to change your attitude towards it. Uh, first of all, whenever you have a failure, look at what, not just what you learned from it, but how you can leverage that failure. Cause you can't always do that, but if you can leverage it, that that's, that's a huge thing you can do there. And number two, how can you change your attitude towards it? So it's the same feeling when you get a gift, you know, when somebody gives you a birthday gift or a gift or a Christmas gift or anything like that, you get this warm glow and you look forward to it. How can you change your attitude like that towards failure? It doesn't always feel great, but how can you change your attitude towards that? And that's what I mean about embracing failure. And I really wish that I learned that when I was starting out because I would have failed a lot faster and gotten success a lot faster too. And when you're running ads, you're going to fail a lot, you know, <laughs> you're going to probably fail like 10 of the campaign of the ideas you have are going to fail and then one is going to work. So you have to learn how you can fail faster so you can get to that one that's actually going to work and uh, it'll make you happier and it'll make your clients happier and more successful. Awesome. Thank you. So as a media buyer, what's one lesson you learned that you think everyone should learn at some point in their life? Hmm. Um, I also think that as a media buyer, one thing that I wish that I learned earlier on was um, like learning more about the psychology of people. I, I took psychology for a little bit in university. I wish I took more of that. And I think like really understanding psychology to me has been the key to unlocking a lot of things in my business, not just for my own campaigns, but just being able to, you know, get more sales and like everything I did, uh, you know, so I wished I had learned that more um, and really leaned into and understood being uh, the psychology and being and learning how to be empathetic with my audience. Thank you. What's your favorite productivity hack for entrepreneurs? Mm, my favorite productivity hack is sort of what I talked about already is, is how going against the grain of multitasking. I found that the best productivity hack is to stay focused on one thing. So my good friend, Richard Matthews taught me about this. He calls them micro completions because he found that it's just way, oh, I have to get this done and it never gets done, right? We procrastinate a lot, but he thinks about it. He taught me to think about it in terms of micro completions. What's a little thing that I can complete that's going to get me closer to it. And then I just have to do that one micro completion and I get things done way faster. 
So instead of multitasking, I'm going to focus. What's the one micro completion I can do right now? You know, countdown five, four, three, two, one, do it. And then go to the next thing, and the next thing, and you'll get a lot more done if you just focus on one thing at a time. Thank you. If, if you could start a business tomorrow, what would that business be? It would be digital marketing. <laughs> you know, the reason why it was so interesting to me is I saw it. If you can, if you can uh, master buying traffic, like basically, if you basically, if you can master digital marketing, I think that you can do anything because if you look at all the businesses in the world, most of them, their biggest problem is obscurity. Right. We talked about a marketing being bringing awareness to what you do. Most people, uh, their problem isn't that they don't have a quality service or a good offer or anything like that. They just enough people just haven't heard about them. So if you can master marketing, wow, you could do anything. You could help any charity. You could help, you know, you can help any cause. You can help grow any business if you're really, really good at marketing because you can because you know how to bring more awareness. So that's why I will always go back to marketing now as the core business because I just think it, it's and I've it's happened for me like it's opened up a lot of different doors uh, because I got good at marketing. Thank you. If if you could, so these are like I like to call them the bonus questions and. They're like meant to stomp people, but I find people don't get stomped by them anymore. So, mm -hmm. uh, the first question is, cause it's like value based. I was, I had, like, I was teaching a class or hosting a webinar and I asked the speaker, I was like, how can someone add value to you? He was like, Jerome, nobody ever asked me that. I was like, oh, wow. People never asked me that either. So I, I like to inject this as a question on my podcast because a lot of leaders come through here and sometimes people don't think about leaders and how they can add value to leaders lives so that question to you is how can someone add immediate value to you or your business uh they can immediate value yes. i think that they can bring awareness to what it is that we provide to somebody who they know really needs it because i truly believe that what we provide changes lives they have so many people have stories about how it's just changed their life and that to me is what we want to do we want to impact as many people's lives as possible and just help them you know elevate their lives and go to the next level so if you know somebody who really needs this then please just you know bring them tell them about it that's how you could bring immediate value and, and you bring immediate value not just to us but to you know to the people around you as you as well when you say what we do, uh, what do you, are you talking about ad skills? I'm talking right? about ad skills. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Could you, so could you tell us a little bit about ad skills and the, the benefits, the value of ad skill and just promote it a little bit. Let's talk about it. Okay, sure. No problem. I'd love to. So ad skills is, um, ad skills actually is actually a community and an education platform. And what we do is we provide world-class training for people in traffic, basically paid traffic, media buying, everything that we've been talking about here today. And we have, the, I, I just think that, and it's been my experience that the community makes all the difference. You know, we have uh, like over a hundred different videos and sort of a Netflix style environment um, where you can learn about all different types of things about traffic and growing your agency and becoming a freelancer and all that stuff. But um, we also have an incredibly active community that has in it as well some of the best in the world at media buying in there um 
and I'm so proud of them. We have sort of this little group of, they're not moderators, we actually call them guardians because they literally are the guardians of ad skills. They're, they're the people uh, in there who are, um, they are some of the best in the world at what they do and they're in the group every single day, interacting, helping people. I mean, just the amount of the quality of the answers and the advice and stuff that are being given in there, it just blows my mind. Like there's like mini masterclasses on, on some of them, uh, you know, just in terms of not just how to run your campaigns, um, you know, like Tyler just the other day kind of gave this masterclass and literally how you can take somebody with no experience and um, bring them onto your team and train them up to become, you know, like a really competent senior media buyer. And he like literally just gave the whole step-by-step -step of what he does. So stuff like that in there are, you know, what's coming up next year, like what, you know, what are we beta testing? I, I literally just gave a walkthrough of the beta test that we're working on with Facebook with their new machine learning and it's like blowing my mind. So we're doing all these types of things in there that give you the edge in terms of becoming a world-class uh, media buyer. And, um, you know, and, and we're here just to not just make you a better media buyer, but help you become a better freelancer or an agency owner or a C-suite depending on what pathway you want to take in your media buying role. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. And I see in the future, of course, we'll be in touch. I see in the future us going like deeper and talking about ad skills and uh, how people can benefit from it. There is a lot of people that could benefit, like especially like in my niche and in my world, I don't think they understand the importance of like adding paid traffic and ad, adding paid sources to their lead generation. It could like really help and level up your business. So uh, I see that in the future. The, great. the next question I have for you is very similar to the first one that we asked. How can someone add long-term value to you or your business? And don't be shy if you, if you want to talk about ad skills or whatever. Just just talk about it. It's all yours. Okay. You know what? Long long-term value. I've just found people who are part of the community and just giving back to the community that we're in. I'm talking about ad skills specifically, but also, you know, anybody who has a community and you want to add long-term value to them, be an active, consistent member in their community. That literally provides such an amazing long-term value to people. So, um, you know, please just, you know, keep doing that and uh, don't feel that you're not seen. Trust me, the people running it see you. They just may, maybe they're not letting you know that, but they see you. Um, so if you want to gift somebody something, please go out and, and do that. And you won't, again, you won't just help that one person. You'll help the entire community and you'll help yourself. Yeah. Like you and Justin coming on the podcast. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Of course. It's an honor. It's my pleasure. Yeah. So we are in real estate. We have like the closing table. When you buy a house, you, you get to the closing table. That means it's wrapping things up. So I have a few more questions and then we can kind of end it like right sure. on time. So first question, uh, what are three book, what are three books that you recommend to the audience and why? Okay. Um, so one book, which you've already shown is the ultimate sales machine. <laughs> I love, I just, I love that book. That is, to me, that's a reference book that I go to over and over and over again. Another one that's very similar, which has helped me a lot in my entrepreneurial journey is called Business Brilliant by Lewis Schiff. And that is based on the reason i like that book is it's not somebody's anecdotes it's not their own experience he actually did a survey of self-made millionaires in the u.s who didn't start from who basically had to start from their own i think it was they had to have the most they could have received was like fifty thousand dollars or something from friends and family and that's it 
and they did a survey of it and that whole book is stories and what's the difference between how their minds think and how everybody else's minds think and i literally took 20 pages of notes the first time i went through it and i used i, I was honored to be able to work with him for a while and i used those principles in there to this day and they they just work uh, because it's based on data it's based on things that actually work on that and the third book that um, I was thinking of a book that I'm actually going through right now. It's I'm actually going through a book called Never Split the Difference. Have you heard of that book before? Yes. Right. So Chris by Cross, right? it was recommend. I, it's been recommended to me for years. Right. You gotta we gotta read it. So I'm finally actually reading it now. Um, and and that's if that is if you want to affect change in the world, whether it's with your own team, um, you're in sales, you're you know if you're trying to convince people. Um, read this book <laughs> and take notes on it as well thank you so we have i got one more question for you and then i like to like end things out with a closing statement so okay. the last the next question where can listeners find out more about you online sure just go to adskills.com you can do that and if you want to find me on social media just look for uh the lead gen queen that's how I'm known okay. on social media. <laughs> awesome. I don't, I don't think I follow you on social media. I'm going to find you and give you a follow. Sure. So askskills.com and the lead skill queen. All right. Lead so queen. lead gen queen. I'm sorry. The, all right. So I did a, I did a podcast with another uh, real estate investor and she was like, um, like for closing statements, people can get long winded. So she was like, I don't let people do a whole statement. I give them one word. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. I'm going to start doing that. So shout out to mm -hmm. Dewan. She helped me integrate this. So if you could leave us with one closing word, what would that word be? Oh, my. That's a hard one. It is. Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> that's a hard one. Uh, do you mean as a sign off or to get somebody to actually close the deal? What did you mean? It is as a sign off or, or to close a deal. It's up to you. One closing. Right. Well, closing I'll give you word. my favorite phrase that I use when I close a deal. And is it one word? It, no, but it's not. It's got to be one word. <laughs> not, it's not, not one word. Man, this is, you said you don't stump people that often. I think you really stumped me here. <laughs> okay, nice. Uh, no, that that's hard. One word. Mm -hmm. That's really hard. What's your one word? Maybe you'll help me. Um, today. If, oh if, yeah you got me back oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, i was uh the thing that's coming to my mind is like belief mm -hmm. if, if it was today it would be belief mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i would say persistence persistence okay perfect so i take i take duan's statement she's like you only do one word and then uh all right now we can do a closing statement so give us a closing statement or tell us why you pick persistence that is out of all of the hundreds and hundreds of entrepreneurs that I've ever spoken with, because I do ask them about this a lot. Persistence is the one common theme they told me made a difference in their success. Persistence. Awesome. Thank you. I appreciate you so much, Liana. That wraps up our episode. We went for about 50 minutes, so you got five minutes left. I appreciate you so much. I'm going to end it, and uh, it takes about 30 seconds to end, and then uh, uh, can you stay on, and I want to catch up with you and then let you go. All right. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Liana. Thank you. It's a pleasure. All right.